In the spirit of Huck Breeze and Krusty the Clown, it is another episode of the Hardwood Dynasty podcast. I believe this is our 11th episode now. Um, so we're making our way through the season, and we've got just a two-man crew tonight. I am here with Max Breeze, a.k.a. Godzilla Got Busy, and it's a big week for him with the movie coming out. Um, so Godzilla, how are you, man? Honestly, there probably wasn't room for another person in this podcast. I am at my peak strength right now, even coming off a loss because this movie's out or it's out on Wednesday. I plan on watching it this coming weekend. If anybody posts spoilers, I will find a way to ruin your life. Yeah, yeah. We all know what this is, okay? There's a buffer week at least. The stakes have never been higher, okay? Like, <laughs> Godzilla's going to get busy. That is my prediction, um, both in my matchup this week, spoiler alert, and in the movie against King Kong. <laughs> Maybe we should do that as a, as a final matchup prediction. Oh, sure. Absolutely. We can go into, you know, the stats, you know, uh, <laughs> what their what the analytics are, say. That. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, oh, Godzilla is efficient. If you've ever seen any movie, um, so it, yeah. But hey, if if analytics have taught us anything, it's just data to make decisions with. They don't make the decisions for us, you know. Got you know Kong. He's got that human element. We'll get to it later. We'll get to um, it. But I like where your head's at. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a little baseball think into our basketball podcast. Um, so okay, let's get back into basketball. Um, it was a big week last week. There's a few different ways that we can kind of tackle last week's storylines. First, in my notes, at least, is um, Kyle making a big jump into the top four. He's been in at least three trades in the last two episodes. He was in both trades last week um, and really trying to reposition his team from kind of previously, it seemed like, taking on a lot of current rookies to then trying to move back off of them and and realizing maybe he's closer to contending this year than he thought um and that seems like it's coming to fruition so max what do you think about that yeah uh kyle's putting in the work and turning his team into a legit contender i mean hell i just made another trade with him this morning and it wasn't a huge one um, but he needed some big man depth and got it from me and nicholas claxton who knows what that brooklyn uh rotation looks like a couple of weeks from now, but he is relentless in the optimization of his lineup right now. I love that he was willing to trade some of his assets to get better this year. Mm -hmm. um, I still think there's maybe one or two opportunities for teams to do that across the league, but uh, most of the dance partners have already been taken, most of them, honestly, by Kyle. Kyle has traded away so many assets to that will end up being keepers for other teams to make his team better this year. And like I, yep. his team's looking really good, really scary right now. And took a you know a matchup that I couldn't handle. Um, he beat Luca my balls last week and in in dominant fashion, eight to three, and he leapfrogged me. Um, while I was, you know, suffering yeah. to Paul's team. So, yeah, I think he's in a great spot. He's done a great job. And I think that's, uh, you know, such a key point is it's really where you're trending heading into the playoffs. Like, he's moving up ahead of you. He's starting to see his team sort of for what it can be in a playoff matchup. Um, and, like, you know, even with, with Hurwitz's team, Luke and my balls, um, 
that's a team that obviously is on autopilot, but he didn't just beat that team who even on autopilot has a tremendous amount of inherent talent. He beat it eight to three. So he's clearly, you know, going into an arms race. And then obviously the, the day-to-day actually trying took it from what would have just been a six, five matchup. If he was just a, uh, if, I mean, if he was a, a fringe playoff team to now like winning a matchup eight to three against, you know, Luca and Sabonis and some of the top end talent, even on autopilot that Hurwitz has, like, I thought that was just a big statement week for his team. Oh, for sure. I mean, his team put up 638 points. That's, that's going to keep you in contention every, every matchup, every single yeah. one. So yeah. Um, I mean, I, that had to have been top four or five in the league right there. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that he pulled it off. Um, you know, did a great job. And in that same vein of kind of points scored, and and this is a loose segue, but Victor seems to have better secured hold on the eight seed. But my segue in is I still think Uniballers is a real threat to him because of how his team is peaking and specifically in the categories that all the other best teams are great in, which is volume scoring and being able to hit a lot of shots from the field without having to shoot 32% from the field and 28% from three. I'm making up numbers, but sure, you get my point. Uh, you know, having all the pieces that he has together and I, and we'll talk more about um, Aaron Gordon to the nuggets and the real life trade deadline and how that kind of opens up things for all of the, Nuggets players as fantasy assets, but um, I think Michael Porter Jr. is among them in players who now, you know, who's not a good defensive player. They bring in a great athletic defender who can switch one to five. And I think he and Jamal Murray, you know, from an offensive fantasy perspective, are about to hit another level in terms of offensive production and efficiency. And let me correct myself real quick. Uh, Kyle's team put up 739 points last week. Oh, I was, I know that's second only to chase. Um, right. That's, I was going to say, that sounds like a chase number. No, it's, it's absolutely absurd. Um, Victor is the one that put up, you know, what 630, whatever the number was I said before. Um, and I gotta say, man, when in, so he was the one that beat Luke my balls, uh, Kyle beat Rumham Slam. Also, just a, a more impressive team in the look of my balls. A huge win for Kyle. Sorry, I had my mind on Victor, um, as I usually do. Now, do we want to start over real quick? I, I mean, no. I, okay. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that we messed up these matchups so bad. No, I, I, we didn't. I did. Here's the thing. <laughs> Kyle, really impressive. All the good things I just said about you, though mostly apply to Victor because I was looking at his team. But honestly, they're both in similar situations. They both won eight to three. Um, Kyle solidified his point in the standings. No doubt in my mind he's in the playoffs now. Now he's just got to hope to stay hot. Um, for Victor, the win over Luca my balls, which is who he faced and not who Kyle faced, was incredibly important. Huck's listening to this right now. I'm like, oh my God, I shouldn't have let them do this. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, Brennan was like, I'm going to be out on the golf course. I don't want to <laughs> stoop to, the, I, I want to keep the high level of etiquette and discourse on this podcast. Oh, we're so good at this. People listen on purpose. Um, so Victor's now, <laughs> Victor has a seven and a half game lead on Luke. And it, like, 
we I know Luke is facing you here in the next couple weeks, and so next maybe week. he, he might have a stack game there. But like Victor just won eight to three against a good team, and then two weeks from now, Luke still has to face Chase. So it's like it's going to be really yeah. hard to make up seven and a half games unless Victor just gets dominated sometime in the next couple of weeks. I think he he really padded himself to the point. I mean, hell, he's he's one game behind Victor, game and a half behind sixth. Well, um, I I think or, I, Trevor, I was I think I was Trevor. looking at the schedule though. I got to look again, but um, now I'm doubting everything I thought I knew about this league. No. Um, but I think they had two common opponents, Victor and, and Luke, including Chase, um, who's obviously a tough matchup for everybody. But then of their other two matchups in these final four, Luke had like me and Victor had two other playoff teams. And I think Luke had an easier schedule, which is part of it, but it's also more a commentary on team building. And even if he doesn't get that eight seed, because Victor also, it's all the things I was saying about Kyle's team competing against Hurwitz, like, Herwitz, even on autopilot's a good team. So eight to three says more than just like I was paying attention. So, and so I don't mean to disrespect Victor's team. If he holds it off, it's because he's earned it. But I think Luke is probably sitting there like, man, if McCollum didn't get hurt. But I guess everybody's sitting there like if my best player at some point in the season didn't get hurt. Fight Embiid right now. So Victor does run the gamut these last four weeks. Um Rumham Slam, Thunder from Down Under, Hong Kong Heroes, and White Man Can't Jump. All in a yeah. row. That's a nightmare. But Luke doesn't have it that much easier. You know, he's got White Except Man Can't me. Jump this week. He has you next week, which is really exciting for him. Um, but then he's got Chase week 16. Yeah. And then week 17, he faces you again. Oh, my. Really? No, 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 no. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Okay. Okay. To you again. He faces Huck. So. Oh he, yeah. He does have yeah. you and Huck in the next four weeks. That's okay, a, yeah. So I thought it was. I thought it was. And Victor just having had a lot of these, getting to finally get to play some of these bottom teams, myself included, in the back half of his schedule, shot him up the playoff rankings. Like we're seeing some of his early season struggles were really just maybe strength of schedule. We've talked about that on, on past episodes. But in that same spirit, I knew that coming back around then, he was going to have the same front-loaded scheduling issues. And we'll have to talk in the offseason about how to better balance scheduling. I'll admit it's just an unfair, unbalanced schedule for everyone. So That's knowing this, who's, who's got, who do you think gets the eight seed? I'm assuming out of those two. I mean, you're – you are two and a half games behind Luke, so you're not out of this. Yeah, I just don't like where I'm trending. I, I honestly, I beat Huck seven to four, and there was quite a few categories that were very, very close. And the point being, Huck and I were nowhere close to competing with anybody else but ourselves and Andrew and and Kevin Wearsney. So I'm not. I've I get measuring sticked every week and remind myself that I'm. Not close. I'm not going to beat any of these teams. I play Chase this week. We're going to get into matchups. Like it's not going to happen. So who's Luke, I don't, I don't know if he'll close the gap or not. I think it's going to be honestly. It's going to go down to that that final week. I think Victor can hold him off just because I know Huck and myself are not going to obviously roll over. So I, I feel like, God, my pride. I want to get at least three categories off somebody any given week. Like turnovers or 
the defensive stats or something. So like, I want to think that maybe we can just be a, like little enough pests to Luke on the way. Cause to your point, he has a lot of ground to cover in only four weeks time now. Like now we really are in the playoff push. It's not just podcast fodder. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, my money's on Victor though. Like if I had to, if I have to pick an eight seed and honestly, I mean, those, those aren't the only two that should be concerned about this. If, if Trevor loses to Victor, he's the eight seed after this week. I, we all think his team is more than good enough to make the playoffs, but my team, I have a really difficult last four weeks aside from facing you and like I'm two games ahead of Trevor. So like it's it's not just a two-man race at this point, but if I had to pick out of those two teams which one makes the playoffs, I'm still saying Victor. And I've been saying that for a while. I think his team's a lot better than than they were early on in the season. Yeah, no doubt. And I think um I think a big part of that though is still Trevor and yourself moving back in the pack, you know is happening simultaneous to what Victor would need to do. So that's all anticipating you guys are going to fall more than you might actually. I'm sure you've got, um, obviously, your concerns, and they're probably valid, missing a guy like LeBron James. Um, I think Trevor's actually about to to come roaring back. So I think he's – we'll talk about – well, no, let's, this is a good segue because we talked about Vucevic um, in recent episodes – um, since we last recorded, the real-life trade deadline has passed. I'd say he's the biggest name for sure that got traded. So that impacts Trevor's team. Um, and being a Zach Levine shareholder yourself, it probably impacts your team the second most um, in that sense. So um, what were your thoughts? I guess I'll ask from the Levine shareholder first. What were your thoughts on Chicago receiving Vucevic? Honestly, nervous. Um, I have really enjoyed this season and last season having Levine and the fact that any given night he's going to put up 30 or 40 points because Chicago doesn't have any of their options like he's averaging 28 points a game this season and I don't think he's like he's not a 28 point a game talent on most other teams he's just been the only guy so if anything maybe he starts being more efficient um he's not going to be Yahoo's number three ranked player anymore I'm talking about (laughs) Levine here Right. But I'm hoping he gets more assists. And I'm hoping in general, because the Bulls are better, stat lines across the team start looking a little bit better. Um, I'm excited for, like, a fantasy aside, I think it's great for the Bulls, man. Like, it, yeah, it's a team that is clearly, like, so you could see so many teams looking at the Bulls roster and going, all right, we got to trade Levine. We got to hit the reset button because right. they don't have a whole lot of talent. But they went out. They got Vucevic. I don't know if they have money to sign another uh, another big name after this season. I know they're not that far out of the playoffs now, but you know, if I'm a Bulls fan right now, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, Vucevic is awesome, Levine is awesome. Like this is this is yeah. Be I the think most there's relevant a merit been in a while. Yeah, I think there's definitely a merit to going for it. I think they sort of led on that they were gonna try and go for it at least when they hired Billy Donovan because Billy Donovan left the Thunder with the understate, I mean, they were fucking toasting to the playoff run, like the night before he resigned. Like uh, it was just a total mutual understanding of like, Hey, we're about to scrap this and totally rebuild. We're seeing that happen. And like your dignified championship coach who's pushing 60 years old and you should go try and compete in your NBA window as a coach. So I just don't think he would have gone to Chicago if they weren't like, Hey, 
we're not OKC. Like, we're trying to move forward. The East outside of Brooklyn and Giannis and, and Philly is totally wide open. Like, we could, we could very quickly ascend through some of these, some of the quick, you know, um, growing checkpoints um, because the Eastern Conference is so, like, in flux right now and, and many more, I feel like, of the tankers or the explore your young core teams are in the East. Um, so I, I like Chicago going counterculture to it um, with like a Billy Donovan hire with Vucevic um, in the here and now. I do wonder, I mean, it's going to take Levine scoring down, but I do wonder um, what it does for his assist numbers because like look lineup combination wise, they Chicago has tried so many different guys to play their two man game with Levine and just like Wendell Carter wasn't it and couldn't stay healthy. And, you know, Larry marketing can't fucking stay healthy, all these guys. So now they finally have Vucevic. It seems like they've been trying to set Levine up to be like a facilitator. Maybe, I guess. I mean, that they, they wanted Kobe white to be that they've got Sadoransky starting now. Um, yeah. He's a placeholder. I, I, I stopped. From a fantasy standpoint, I think that this actually doesn't hurt Vucevic that much. If anything, it just takes some attention off of him. The guy was already shooting close to 40% from three. He's still he's going to help Levine be able to spread the floor, but he's also still going to be the primary rebounder. He is still going to be the, the primary guy on the boards because Markinen, uh, Thaddeus Young, Daniel Tice, who they also acquired, and Al Farouk Amino, th- those guys aren't, you know, prodigious rebounders. Like, uh, as far as being down low, Vucevic is still going to be the king there. So it's not going to absolutely kill his value as if he would have gone somewhere like Golden State or been one of the many players to go to the Nets or go to the Lakers or anything like that. Like he's still going to be such a huge part of the team that he's still going to be a huge fantasy asset. He just won't be the only one anymore. So both Trevor and I might feel a slight hit. Um, I, I don't yeah. really anticipate it being that bad though. I, I think it'll, I think it'll affect, Levine more than Vucevic just by the nature and um, I'm learning about fantasy basketball in these first two seasons like the rest of y'all but it just seems like for a big man like okay no matter what system he goes in like his rebounds will somewhat follow him and like yeah like maybe his rebound percentage goes down like and maybe his counting stats rebounds go down from like whatever they were to like just shy of 10 like Anthony Davis is counting stat rebounds were curbed more by playing with LeBron and Dwight Howard than him not being good. I feel like all of that happens less to uh, in some of those big man stats. And that's why we've talked about big men being so valuable in this league. And, you know, Levine being having that setup that he had was fucking sweet where, yeah, he was just a shot chucker. Like um, uh, Kyle's got that in Bradley Beal right now. And unfortunately he's also got, um, Russell Westbrook kind of weighing his team down like my real life wizards do. Although Russ Westbrook is great in a lot of categories, but, um, but yeah, just shot chuckers. It's a sweet thing in fantasy. Yeah. I'm glad the Bulls went and got Vucevic and not another guard or, or forward that might be, you know, a primary ball handler that isn't dishing the ball to Levine. So. True. True. It's not like they uh, picked up a Norm Powell like Portland did. From Toronto. God, I love um, that. I love that for Portland. It was such a good move. I it's so funny to me because it just truly seems like 
they are, although I guess maybe Brooklyn's pine. I don't know who's pioneering it, but all these teams are like, we fuck defense. Like Brooklyn's made it so deep playing defense is impossible. Anyway, all you can try and do is have as much offense on a given night as Brooklyn sets as a standard. So Portland's like, yeah, fuck it. As many different scores as we can, as we, as we can amass and just four around Nurkic or four around Cantor. Um, and just, I love leaning into it. I don't think they're going to win a championship, obviously, but I think we all know it's one of two teams that'll win the championship. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, I, I just, I love the idea of them having more shooters around Dame. I, it's funny for fantasy purposes. If I'm Luke, I'm like, yes, give Lillard more weapons to just take some heat off of him. No, this is uh, going to help Paul, us assist. This Paul is has Dame. Story. Paul has Dame. Luke has CJ. No, I know. I'm. I'm saying this. If I'm Paul, I'm thrilled about this acquisition. Oh, I got you. Like, I thought you said you said if I'm Luke. Oh, sorry. If I'm Paul, if I'm the uh, another one of the apostles, Paul, I am <laughs> thrilled about this for Lillard because you just given him another weapon to take some of the heat off his back. Um, I any given time that Lillard's on the court, I think there's really only so much uh, attention a defense is going to give to Gary Trent Jr. Um, so like having a guy like Norm Powell to dish it out to is, it's going to be a huge help for him, especially with McCollum out. Yeah. I, I, this doesn't seem like a, oh, there's only one ball type of scenario. This seems like, uh, they're just leaning into offense and it's going to all three of these guys, Dame, CJ and Norm Powell are going to kind of help one another. Like, yeah, I think all three of them stand to benefit from this new relationship out in Portland, but it's not as fun when we agree. So let's move on from that to um, <laughs> how about Aaron Gordon to Denver? That's uh that's an interesting move because Denver is, seems like I, to me, they just seem like a team that is so close and yet so far, I guess uh, Utah is probably the banner holder for this tier of teams right now of like being awesome, but also like no one would ever pick you over the Lakers or Nets. Um, and so Denver, like, God, they are really playing that part as well, adding Aaron Gordon into this lineup because they improve so much more as a defensive unit without having to sacrifice any of their athleticism because I feel like around Jokic, like all the athleticism around Jokic's orbit is what makes them work. Yeah, no, that's that's the whole thing. Just uh, having somebody on the team that isn't Joe Kitch. Like, uh, yes, they've got Jamal Murray down low, or they've got Jamal Murray in the backcourt. Um, but having another another person that can is not only a big but can also space the floor. Um, I I love teams like the Nuggets. I wish teams like that were more successful. Um, it's like the the last time there was a team that of just really good players that like, what was the last time I'm trying to think of a team after the Pistons where it's like, this is not a team where there's, you know, a LeBron James or Steph Curry or anything like that. It's just a team of right. really good players. You know, it's like trying to find a, a an NFL champion without a good quarterback. It's funny. Like Joe Flacco. Right. No. Oh, uh, if you, I have a whole thing about, yeah. Like we do all this, song and dance about you know the nba season because it's fun for us i'm talking real life not fantasy but at the end of the day like who are the guys that have been the number one player on a championship team 
who are playing right now. Right. LeBron, um, LeBron, fucking Steph, KD, yep. which he's always done it with Steph, and Kawhi. And that's the entire list. So we already know that. Uh, will Giannis or Harden join that list? We'll see this year. We could fast forward, um, you know, to that point. But it's like we kind of already know some of these things to be true. But, yeah, to your point, like, um, I like these teams of that are just like Hall of Very Good teams. But, yeah, the, the NBA doesn't – they always go to die. Like the, the Paul George, Lance Stevenson, David West, Roy Hibbert Pacers – went to die there's a bunch of endearing teams that yeah just lost to lebron or steph just teams that were really good like the nuggets are 28 and 18 and if if somebody was like oh it's a, uh, it's you know 15 to 1 for them to win the championship throw five dollars on it i'd be like no dude i can just fucking set five dollars on fire if i want to because it's not going to happen that's not the way the right. nba works that's part of why i love and i don't want to go off on two too much of a tangent here but like because this whole fucking podcast so far has been us going off on yeah we've been we're killing it so far absolutely but like i'm loving the tournament Uh, i mean granted it's a lot more upsets than a normal year and i think we all kind of saw that coming but like i love the tournament because yes there are great players but ultimately like on any given team it's not even the best player on the team that's making the biggest difference like there are a couple names that jump out but like it's it's really interesting basketball to watch it's really unpredictable basketball to watch whereas with this you named four guys and we're like oh man how cool would it be if a fifth guy came out of nowhere and also led a team to an nba championship sometime in the last 12 to 15 years you know what i mean like that sucks right i mean it doesn't it we're gonna watch it but like outside of fantasy purposes it's just it is what it is it is it's i think we just distract ourselves with like in the moment we forget it's not like we're we're lying to ourselves so actively all the time but i think when we step when you step back yeah it's like all we're really trying to decide is do we think lebron and anthony davis's teammates are the best or do we think that kevin durant and kyrie irving's teammates are the best and ultimately we'll get to to hopefully see that for ourselves in july um, which is a weird sentence to say, but I guess the finals <laughs> is in July this year. But uh, but then I also think to like when I when I was watching the Last Dance, like some of these like this Denver team that we're talking about, that sort of has like Indiana Pacers vibes of like like Reggie Miller is an awesome player, but also like Reggie Miller is not in the top fifty players that have ever played in the NBA. No, and no he, so like he their might be whole a top ten player from the nineties, right? Like their whole team was not Reggie Miller. I mean, he was the biggest star, but their whole team was that. Yeah, Mark Jackson was also a fucking G, and Rick Smith was also no one to fuck with in the lane, and and all of this stuff. I'm trying to remember the guy who was on Parks and Rec. Oh, Detlef Schrempf. Detlef Schrempf, um, <laughs> former Supersonic, former Indiana Pacer, Detlef yep. Schrempf. So yes. sure. Any excuse to use that name. <laughs> we saw him at uh Dirk's final game. We did. We did. And I was like, ah, oh, Dad left. I don't know. I was really drunk. That was awesome. Yeah, he's one of he's one of Dirk's German heroes, I guess. Um okay, last one uh from the real life trade deadline. We saw Vic Oladipo go to Miami. 
Um, and by last one, I mean we could talk about Mo Wagner to the Celtics. Hey-o. The Wizards took on Daniel Gafford, but uh, but Oladipo to Miami is. I mean, I I don't think anyone disputes that it's a good move, but like, is it too little, too late? Like, do you see a core of Oladipo, Butler, Bam? I mean, and Dragic is really good. Do you see that core not just being good enough to beat Brooklyn, but also meshing in time to see that potential in time to face Brooklyn? Because they're they're not getting in as a as anything probably higher than a six seed, given the the grave they've dug themselves the first half of the season. Dude, I watched a lot of the bubble last year. Um, just be, which like I'm I'm not a huge basketball watcher, but it was like it, that was the sport. Uh, for yeah. me, so I watched a lot of bubble games that I otherwise wouldn't have been interested in, and yeah, I, I do. It's I think the most important thing is exactly what you said. Do they have time to mesh together beforehand, and is everybody going to be healthy? Because if you if they're out there, and it's not just because it's on my team, Kendrick Nunn is a weapon for them off the bench, and then they've got Oladipo. They still have Tyler Hero. Um, I coming in off the bench or starting? Um, I'm I'm assuming he's. Starting. I don't know. I mean that, but I guess. That's part of it is we don't know what kind of lineup combinations they're going to go with. I wonder if Eric Spolster even knows what kind of lineup combinations I mean, he wants gotta, to go with. I'm sure Dragic will probably play a, a much larger role whenever they go into the playoffs just because he's a veteran. Either way, it's, it's Bam yeah. Adebayo. It's Jimmy Butler, Oladipo. Like, I think they have enough good players to put up a fight against Brooklyn. I, I don't think the East is done for yet. Um, just like I don't think – I think there are four teams. I think it's Golden State. I think it's, uh, which it's not really Golden State, but whatever. It's probably the Lakers and the Clippers, sorry, um, in the West. No, but Golden State is that muscle memory. It's funny you say that. That's the thing. Even after they, and they were terrible all of last year. And still, I'm like, yeah, Golden State's great. No, we were just talking about Steph. It's, it's, what's funny is I was like, it's Golden State, and I'm picturing the Clippers uniforms, and I'm like, Kawhi doesn't play for Golden State. Put it together. Um, <laughs> all in California. It's, it's the two LA teams, and it is the Heat versus uh, the Nets, in my mind, in the playoffs. And to me, until it gets to wow, that point, so, I'm not as interested. Man. Okay, so quick deviation from the real-life trade market. So you don't you think Milwaukee's peaked? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, they've like, been lapped by Miami in your mind. They're just Miami just needs to, to gather, which we've said Miami had the shortest offseason that anyone's ever had in professional sports history. Objective. So here's, here's the thing. If, if it's Miami against Milwaukee, that's a series. If it's Milwaukee against Brooklyn, that's not a series, in my opinion. Interesting. I, it's, it's just how I feel. I, I don't... You say defense doesn't matter, but I think I think Miami's defense is a little bit, and when I say a little bit, it's a lot a bit better um, than Milwaukee's. I'm looking at the defense rankings because I was curious earlier. And yeah. Who do you think has the worst defense in the league? Brooklyn. No. Oh, the actually. Wizards? Yeah, you are correct. Um, <laughs> the real... Sorry, the team that does what Brooklyn does just way worse, but the here's, same mindset, just worse execution. Here's the biggest surprise. Who has the best defense in the league? Best fans in the league, based on what metric? Based on uh, points allowed. That's it. Uh, the Knicks. It is the Knicks. And yeah, I was dude, so that's by that. not because is this, this, they're this just is a little, games. So a little analytics lesson for 
those listening. And Matt, Max works uh, with data extensively for people who don't know him outside of this league. So I revel in getting to talk about this. I knew the Knicks because if you just go by per game averages, it was very easy to, to tell a Tom Thibodeau team is just going to ugly up games and slow down pace. Oh, but net it. rating, I would be curious to see. That's why everyone goes by net rating, which is per 100 possessions. So they can take all your pace-adjusted stuff out of it and then really, you know, pound for pound, decide who's the best on offense, who's the best on defense. So the Heat are fourth in the league in points allowed. They're not great on uh, offensive rebounds, but ultimately, like, they're, they force turnovers. Uh, they force a really bad field goal percentage. Um, and like it, I, I, the Heat have a real defense. They can really put up something against the Nets, I think. And I also think just Jimmy Butler is that caliber of player to be able to do that. And he has a better supporting cast than Giannis does. I'm not trying to say anything bad about Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton is great. But as a whole, Jimmy Butler has a better supporting cast than, the, than Giannis does with the Bucs. I love that Giannis stayed with the Bucs just for NBA purposes and just for, you know, I grew up watching one, like, aside from Shaq, um, I saw a bunch of stars stay with their teams for long periods of time. You know, Duncan, Kobe, people like that. So I, I like the idea of, Dirk, of course, I like the idea of Giannis staying with the Bucs. But no, the, the Heat have a much better supporting cast and I think could slow the Nets down enough and keep up enough on offense to make it a series. The Bucks' defense is not good. They're just not. Um, so like Giannis is good, Middleton is good. That's it. That, and I don't think that's right. enough to beat the Nets, who are you keep pounding this on every podcast. They're setting records offensively, yeah. making it so that defense is all but irrelevant. Like, it, uh, I'm not saying they've peaked forever and that Milwaukee will never be good, but they can't beat these Nets. So, and I think at least I would I would love to watch the series of Heat versus Nets as long as both teams are full strength. Okay, so then last question in that line of thinking, let's bring Philadelphia into this because Ben Simmons is the best defensive individual player on all these teams, at least in my opinion. I think he's the best perimeter defender in the NBA. And so, you know, what does he, what kind of wrench does he throw in or could they even be a bigger threat than a, um, than a Miami in terms of kind of having that that defense that will reveal itself in the playoffs. 76ers have been hot, um, but I've also seen them lose to some pretty bad teams recently. It's just, it's one of those things where they're really streaky, it seems like. I, I would be interested to see long-term what Shake Milton ends up being on this team because they, they go through periods of time where it's like, oh, Shake Milton's a big part of this team. And then other periods of time where it's like, oh, it's Embiid Simmons, Embiid Simmons, Embiid Simmons. That's all that matters. Right. Um, and I think they're a better team. I, I, I think they win more often the more players they get involved. Um, but like, I'm just looking at their schedule recently. There was that game they lost to Cleveland in overtime and I specifically remember that because I lost money on it, and I don't bet on basketball <laughs> that often. I was like, oh, this is easy, whatever, great. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I guess they matter. I don't know, man. It just seems like they always fall apart in the playoffs, come playoff time, yeah. they're real contenders. You know, so it's it, to me, they were – Yeah, I guess that's true. I, the big thing I, I thought about was Milwaukee or Miami. I 
barely even thought about Philadelphia, let alone Boston. No, that's well, no Boston. I think um, I think Boston pretty much told us that they are. I mean, they're obviously still trying this year. They can very realistically make the playoffs, and then who knows what happened. But their inactivity at the deadline, with some massive trade exceptions, where they could have taken on some salary that they didn't have to offload in return necessarily, like is the case with most trades. They, they had a lot of trade leverage that Danny Ainge had built up that they didn't cash in on, um, which I think, you know, inact, inactivity being as telling as activity in that sense. So I think they're, I think they're out of it. I, you make a good point about Philly too. I was thinking just in terms of defense, but you're right. I think also in the playoffs, it'll come down to like, Joel Embiid, he'll either take a game over or he'll do what he's done in other postseasons, which is losing the second round. Right. I, I feel like the playoff storyline is always like Embiid being sad or not wanting to talk to the media or something along those lines. And like, taking really fallaway jumpers despite being seven foot one. <laughs> yeah, there's really no reason. Who's who is he trying to have, you know beat the reach of right there? Yeah, like, who's like, getting in uh, his face? gosh i would yeah anyway that's just echoing i like that's not even my own thought that's just being a basic bitch on nba twitter but like basic bitches on nba twitter know this and it's been like three playoffs now that joe lmb does the same thing every every spring but um we were kind of talking um i'm just going to transition us out of the real life trade deadline and try and pick up if there's any thread left on um that <laughs> that conversation about defense um, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, we were talking, we've talked a lot um, about defensive players offline. Um, like we all saw the Draymond comment about him being the, the best defender of all time. And then Tony Allen had shit to say, which is like hilarious, but then also like Tony Allen is a really good defensive player. So it begs the question, like how legit is Draymond's claim and like how legit is it in, in all time sense, or even in just a, this generation sense, because, you know, thinking about him against like a Tony Allen, because now players are asked to do, to defend totally different types of opposing offensive players than they've ever been asked to prior to the, you know, pre Steph era of the league. Yeah, I, well, first of all, it's just another example of, God, I can't stand Draymond Green. Um, <laughs> and like, I, I'm not going to lie, I expected more people than Tony Allen to go after him. This is one of those where I was like, all right, what's the over-under on like, how long does it take Dennis Rodman to come at him for this? You know what I mean? Because I thought that he'd be the first yeah. person. No, 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 I'm the best defender in the league. And it'd be hard to understand him. He's got that giant lip ring. He'd be like, I'm the best. Yeah, the best I, was, uh, I, did, I did it better. Again, I'm just thinking of the last dance. Doing that same fucking, um, that same fucking 10 second video clip from the last dance where he's showing all the different rebounds that he gets yeah. off the yeah. rim. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I, I don't think he's even the best defender in the NBA right now. I wouldn't say who that is, but he's not a better defender than LeBron. Like, it's, it's and all time, and that's it's just silly. Oh, like him saying he's the best defender of all time is silly and disrespectful to a dozen Hall of Famers. I don't, I understand, like, he, he has to, I feel like he has to take that mindset just to, like, be as amped as he needs to be to compete 
in a professional sport. Like I always feel like with some of these athletes, like in the heat of battle, like if you don't believe that you could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one, like you wouldn't have made the NBA, even though like in a more sober, not in the heat of battle moment, you'd be like, of course I could never do that. But like when you're out there on the court, like you're in, you know what I mean? So I just feel like I get why he takes that mindset of like, I, I have to think I'm the best defensive player ever. I do think there's, does he he's been say it? like, is I'm not even sure he's the second best player on his team right now. You know what I mean? Like he might be the best defender on his team, but he might not be the second best player on his team. Does he really have to come out and say all this stuff? He's not Conor McGregor where he can come out and showboat and I'm, I am the reason we've won all these championships and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, he's, he's coming out of here and playing Peacock and just being a douchebag. And like to, to say, if he says, I, I think I can defend players better than anybody else in the league right now, that's one thing. But coming out and saying, I'm the best defensive player of all time, that's not. He doesn't need that for his own ego. He doesn't need that to play well. He's just being a douchebag. He's playing the, the heel, you know? And well, I, actually, now that you say that, I do think that's an important distinction that I'm not even sure I realized until you just said it, which is it's not that – is he the best – like – could he better try and defend anyone in the league than any other defensive player right now? Maybe, but does he have to come out and, and, and say he's the greatest of all time and, and go beyond just like what I was saying, which is just like a self-confidence of like, Hey, if I'm up against LeBron, I have to believe I can defend LeBron or otherwise he'll just dunk on me every time. Sure. Yeah. That I'm but okay this with. is not that to your point. The, the Bradley Beal video that's been going around on Twitter of him talking to an ABA team um, or whatever, the, the, the AAU. AAU team. Yeah, not Love ABA. The ABA. That is a different thing entirely. Go Tropics. Um, Go Tropics. Like he's sitting there talking to the AAU team and he's like, if you want to play in the NBA, you got to be able to defend me. And you guys, none of you guys can fucking defend me. So like you, right now you can't be in the NBA. So if you think right. you're going to get there, you're going to have to work a lot. Like that to me, like if he says that to Draymond, I think there's a 50-50 shot that Draymond can't guard him because Bradley Beal's fucking awesome. And that's just kind of the nature of the NBA right now. More often than not, you know, teams are going to put up 100 plus points whenever they have superstars. Like there, there aren't teams anymore where it's like, oh, there's a really good chance they're going to hold people under 100 every single night. You know, so it, first of all, unless they play a Thibodeau type of ball where it's like literally every single like ounce of their will is to try and deliberately do that. And it also won't work in the playoffs, but it could get them to the playoffs. And I but thinking, like, think they just have to try so hard to even do that in the regular season a little bit. Am I thinking of the, I, I, have I been thinking about of Virginia this whole time? They're the ones that play ugly games in the tournament every yes. year. Yes. I love it. I, I pick them in Syracuse just to piss you off every year. It's so great. Well, and how's that gone? How did UVA do in this tournament? Uh, well, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I don't know, but Syracuse did okay. So that's fine. I Whatever. fucking hate I, the Cubans, I picked, though. That's so beside the point. I picked Alabama to win, so I'm just a sad person in general right now. <laughs> but no, uh, back to, back to defense though. Uh, so, that kind of went off track to a conversation about Draymond Green, which is, which is fair. But speaking to more of like a, the barroom debate of like best defensive players ever, I do kind of think there's some merit to like, not it's harder, easier to defend in this era because Bill Russell will tell you like, I promise it wasn't 
it was really hard to defend Wilt Chamberlain. But like, I do, you know, I wonder if it's like Draymond does have to switch one through five. Like he's had to kind of be, uh, he's kind of had to be the a frontline defender in the in an era where offense has has evolved so much so fast. So I do think that kind of gives him some credence compared to like um, defenders of generations past who were maybe allowed to hand check and also who um, were kind of allowed to dig down into like an ISO matchup with their opponent. It's it's hard to statistically say like I this is an argument that's hard to have unless you know you're exclusively talking with 70 80 year old guys that have been watching basketball for the last 60 years and can actually say <laughs> the difference between these guys from My a uncle. statistical perspective it's hard to say that anybody was a better defender than Bill Russell or Will Chamberlain because they were putting up 24 25 rebounds a game I think one of them one season put up like 28 rebounds a game I think that's the record and yeah Wilt had a Wilt had a season where he went for like fifty and and twenty five for the whole season. See, that's just that's not possible today. I don't care how good like if they played today, they might each get fourteen rebounds a game, which would be no. I mean, yeah, none of this. They they didn't come off the floor. There's actually a season of Wilt's career where he averaged more than forty eight minutes played per game just because he played overtime. every minute of the season, including overtimes. Yeah. Like they literally never came off the floor. So it's it's not those numbers are not possible now. But I also don't think that to me there's one best defensive player of all time. And it's it's an easy choice for me and it's Hakeem Olajuwon. And it's that's it. Um he's he as a big man was able to defend in more ways than just I'm going to block your shot, even though he has the most blocks in NBA history. And that's not fair to Bill Russell and Kareem because I know it wasn't a stat for most of, if not all of their career. Um, but like Hakeem led the NBA in blocks, like has the most blocks of all time and is also the only big man on the top 10 all-time list of steals. So like he, he'll steal the ball yes. from you. He'll pick your pocket. He would run it down the floor as if he was a guard. Um, has a bunch of crazy, awesome offensive plays, but he just defended all the way down the court. And like statistically, there's nobody that compares to him in like beyond the 70s. Like after the 70s, there's just nobody statistically that compares to him. Right, since the offense NBA, was ABA merger. Exactly. And I think the offense was good enough in the 90s. And if you look at the stats of other great defensive players in the 90s, they can't compare. You know, like Shaq is one of the most prolific players of our lifetime. Like he was an absolute delight to watch and was great defensively. And if you compare the stats of his best seasons to Hakeem's, it's not close. You can't compare the two. No, I, Hakeem was actually um, on my short list of guys as well. I kind of to even build off that further. I think like if you take guys, it's, it's tough to say how people would, compete cross eras because stylistically it's so different but i do like to think like what if jerry west was born in 1995 and like grew up in the years that tyler hero grew up let's say like he would would he be tyler hero would he be better would he be worse like that's how i kind of think of it translate in that sense i think actually Olajuwon, for as dominant as he was would would be even better now like that's how ahead of his fucking time he was i actually think 
his ability, like if he had grown up having to learn to switch one to five the way that that some NBA defense um, at least, you know, I don't know if it's this day would coach you to switch everything one through five, but you have to be prepared for that on any given possession, especially in the playoffs. Um, so I, I think he would be somebody who would be able to cross generations really well because of that athleticism. And you pulled my stats; also ranks really high in steals, not just blocks. Um, so to kind of differentiate, I also do have an uh, affinity for perimeter defenders because I feel like big man defenders, like their impact is, is so tremendous because they'll close down an entire part of the floor. Like they won't just block shots. They'll, they'll, when Anthony Davis was at UK, like people would come into the lane and then would turn their back to the basket and go away from their own basket because Anthony Davis was there. So like big men can affect the game in that way. In that sense, maybe it's an underdog philosophy. I always like have an affinity for perimeter defenders. Like is like Gary Payton is is an incredible defender, but if we're comparing him to the best ever, like an Olajuwon or some of these other big men, it's really just like a scrappy argument. Right. But God, I love I love a, a good player like that. Like just Payton. I mean, he was an excellent defender. He's just not a better defender than like the best centers of those eras no but like you could you could say that for everything he did on offense michael jordan is still just just an absolute pickpocket like he was he was an awesome defender um for a guy that was also expected to carry the load on the opposite end of the court too so if you if he spent a couple games trying to just be a defensive specialist and let other people score it'd be interesting to see what kind of numbers he would put up because he still had good rebounding numbers like i said picked a lot of pockets yeah. Oh, MJ was man, I'd have to look at his Wikipedia, but many times all defense. And that was an era where it was really like um so you know, they said in the last dance like there was the triangle and then in the fourth quarter it was Michael time. And it was like uh you know, if it was whatever it took on offense, whatever it took from him on defense, like that he would elevate to be like the best in any one given role. And I feel like we only think about that killer instinct on the offensive end, but I feel like it applies just as much to the defensive end and like the assignments that he took defensively in that era. Um, you know, like, I mean, Reggie Miller being one of them, but, um, but I mean, it's, we know with Jordan, it's obviously you could paint a broad brush over a decade of basketball with guys oh, yeah. that he cucked out of championships. I do. I so to your point. I think his that and Kobe, same thing. I think um, he's somebody who. I mean, he obviously patterned himself after Jordan. I think their killer instinct only gets focused on on offense. And I'm a ball watcher like anyone, but oh, yeah. it it benefited them just as much on defense. They are probably two of the ten best defense. They're probably two of the three or four best perimeter defenders ever, no doubt. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, for all that I want to be like, oh, Tony Allen, Tabo Cephalosian is dead. No, it was still fucking MJ and Kobe and all the dudes that you would think. Cephalosia or uh, uh, Turkoglu. Give me Turkoglu all day. <laughs> well, there was a long time where they would, they would just play four on five on offense. The Thunder would 
and just only have Cephalosha out there for defense. That was one of the <laughs> first times I'd ever seen somebody do that. I digress. Um, okay, before we get into this week's matchups, I wanted to bring back trivia. Poor Max has to give his guesses by himself on the pod oh this week. God. Um, though, actually, I think you won't, this is another one where it's a list. There's nine names, so I don't expect you to get all nine, but there's, I mean, I'll expect you to you probably get three or four. Um, so um, after I ask the question, if you want to think along at home, pause it there and, and try and come up with your answers and then um, see if you can outguess Max. No pressure. Low bar. So, so the question, Andre Drummond, recent signee of the Lakers, averages 13.8 career rebounds per game. Of everyone since the NBA merger, who's played at least 400 NBA games, no one has averaged more rebounds per game in their career than Andre Drummond, which is something I didn't realize until the past week. I mean, I knew he's an incredible rebounder, but literally since the merger – or players drafted since the merger, I should say. Kareem did stuff after the merger, but he also did stuff before it. But players drafted since 76, none have averaged more rebounds per game than Andre Drummond. How many other of the top 10 rebound per game guys can you name? And again, the criteria is drafted since 1976, minimum 400 games played, just a normal qualifier, and this is rebounds per game for their careers. Okay, so I'm gonna. So first of all, pause now if you'd like to think yes. about this. I uh, I'm gonna throw out some names that I think are pretty obvious, yep. and then I'm gonna lose steam real fast. Okay. okay. So let's start with the dream. Olajuwon, yes. Okay, Olajuwon is number what? He is, or is that not relevant? Well, I have them in order, so it's not relevant, but I can still tell you. Um, Olajuwon averaged 11.1 rebounds per game for his career. He's actually probably someone who, like, his longevity is super endearing, but for, like, a career per game average, it probably even stunted his numbers a little. Like, we'll see. that. There, you'll, my only hint to you is, is there are guys who go back in history. You're seeing that with Dream, but there is some recency bias because guys haven't aged to the – waning years of their career whereas like um other guys who are retired obviously got to have their downsides of their career since we're talking on like a per game basis right right okay so anyway Olajuwon is seventh all time uh fitting these criteria at least at 11.1 rebounds a game okay give me Carl Malone Carl Malone is not on there son of a bitch wow by the way, the, the last guy who fits this bill averaged 10.8 rebounds a game for his career. So it's like, I'm to, I'm, I don't know what Carl Malone averaged. I'm sure it was really high, but that's how high the threshold is. That's right. a really good game. How about Jokic? No, but I, honest to God, you're going to be so pissed at some of these. Um, and you're thinking in the right way, but no, you're already you. mad. I'm already mad about this. Uh, but some yeah. of these are, are absolutely like they're retired. They're in the hall of fame. You know them. You're only not getting them because you're on the spot. Okay. So Shaq. Yes. Okay. 
Shaq, just to, to add the same historical context, he is um, 10.9 career rebounds a game. But he's another guy who almost faded out of the list because of his end, you know, end years with like fucking Phoenix and Boston and all that weighing him down. But he still managed to be on, but, but even he was barely. Okay. Um, uh, ben Wallace. Um, ben Wallace, great guess. No, Fuck. I think he, I think later in his career, he has a lot of games played with very low minutes. So again, he has like a lot of things where it'll be like, oh, he registered a game played, but he played four minutes. And I'm really, I'm so nervous about like, like I, I'm like, okay, I know some guys that have been some good rebounders, but that fits like Dwight Howard is a name I'm going to say. Dwight Howard is absolutely on this list. Okay, good. Oh my Dwight God. Howard is not worried. just on this list, but there's only one, you know, uh, speaking other than Drummond, there's only one guy on the list higher than Dwight Howard's 12.1 career rebounds a game. Jesus. Dwight Howard's a walk-in Hall of Famer. I feel like still people, and I not you, I just mean like in a soapbox general sense, I feel like people still, it's been so long since those Orlando teams were great, but like he's a walk-in Hall of Famer. And 12 career a game, still to this day with all these other empty seasons. And now he's sort of had a renaissance. Still averages 12 career rebounds a game after all that shit. How about Yao Ming? Great guess, no. Dude, I am just... Okay, I'll... Um, no, no, no. I've, I've got a, I've got a, a slam No, dunk. I was just going to give you some, some hints. Okay, I'll take a hint. Okay. Um, the first hint, this guy has you're missing one guy who is retired but you would think of him as like being like playing through our, in the same era shack okay big man same era shack zadrunas ilgauskas no <laughs> i love it i just wanted to say zadrunas ilgauskas you know that somewhere luke is listening to this podcast like what is like, hell yeah zadrunas ilgauskas hell Am I in yeah. high school again i love it yeah. Um, LeBron played with Zadrunas. Absolutely, he did, and we were all in high school. And great. now LeBron still plays, and Zadrunas Ilgauskas still has a hard to pronounce name, and he's probably like fucking fifty. Dude, I'm I'm just I'm just uh, trying to bide my time here. Um, fuck, man, other people are listening to this. Is it? How about Dirk? Who? Dirk. Dirk. I thought you, you said, think I said Burke with a oh. B. Oh, I was I like, what? I thought you might have thought I said Dirk. Dear, yeah, that's the, the way I've become accustomed to hearing it now. Is Dirk one of them? No. Well, then fuck this game. Okay, like, how is Dirk not one of them? Okay. Do you, you're gonna, there's at least, let me see, there's three, if not four on here that it's like, it's not just a product. Of, this is truly like, just think of the game's all-time great re – not going back to the Bill Russell era, but, like, since 1980. Just think of dudes that you would think pulling down a rebound. I think you overestimate how much basketball I watched in the 1980s. Um, no, I can think more recently than that. Here's the thing. I'm going to rapid-fire a couple names at you, and if I miss them, then we're done here. Kevin Garnett. No, but you're thinking – you're so close. I'm so one. close. Uh, same era, not Kevin same Garnett. Same era as Kevin Garnett. That is such a big era. Um, 
and yet their careers overlapped tremendously. That's a really long time, and yet their career arcs followed very similar paths in terms of like roughly when they ascended into their primes. You know, I can guarantee you one thing. Nobody listening to the podcast is like, Max is looking this up. Max is cheating. It's like, <laughs> I sound like a real horse's ass right now. Not able to name. I guarantee you there's somebody listening like, uh, Ethan's going to about to name six Max. guys. That okay, I, I just sent you a tweet. It's somebody talking about rebounding. It's the video, the same 10 second clip that we all see since it debuted last year. Who is it? Who, who's talking about grabbing rebounds? Rodman? Yes. Okay. All right. Dennis Rodman well, averaged career thirteen point one rebounds a game. That's why I'm like, okay, you just need you're on the spot. I you just, just need to talked get... about Rodman. I just, who's another? Just who's talking. another power forward who was in his prime at the same time as Kevin Garnett? It's not Dirk. Um, Patrick Ewing is not the name that no. you're thinking of, but that's it's, what, it's somebody. It's you're. It's like I don't know how to give a better hint. He's it's a power it's driving forward. you crazy because it should be <laughs> so much easier than this. Um, um, it's driving your brother Huck crazy. Oh, Tim Duncan. There you go. Okay, that's all you had to say. You know, <laughs> well, I wanted Huck's... you to try and get how it about, yourself. How about the Admiral? While we're at it. Oh no, but good guess. Okay, well, I will say I quote unquote got five. Maybe you kind of got five. I kind the, of got five. You're missing our Charles Barkley. Oh, so to, to recap, what Max kind of got it was Hakeem Olajuwon. Shaquille O'Neal, Dwight Howard, Dennis Rodman, Tim Duncan. It was really the first now, three, and then the wheels fell off. <laughs> I'm ashamed of myself for not getting Barkley. That's terrible. Charles Barkley, um, Kevin Love is another one that I think it's like, I don't think you would have thought of him, but also like that makes total sense, right? Like, yeah, from Tim Kevin Love averages, uh, right, exactly. Okay. He, he stacked his stats with the Tim Now, Bulls. are you prepared to get really pissed? So one of them is Rudy Gobert okay. is fifth all time in mm-hmm. rebounds per game in fitting that. this criteria of like the modern era yes. at 11.2, just ahead of him at 11.4 rebounds a game to this day, Hassan Whiteside to this day with all the empty stat lines that he's been putting up for, I don't even remember who he plays for anymore or whose bench he sits Sacramento. at the end of anymore. Sacramento, Sacramento I, that's right. I went on a Hassan Whiteside rant on in like our second or third podcast that went like for 10 minutes. Like I could see Huck's eyes rolling while I was <laughs> saying it. But I was like, why isn't Hassan Whiteside playing more? This doesn't make any sense. Sacramento Kings are poorly managed. Um, okay. <laughs> so so who's the last one? Um, shit, now I got to go through all the dudes you did say. So Rodman, Dwight Howard, Charles Barkley, Hassan Whiteside, Rudy Gobert, Hakeem Olajuwon, Kevin Love, Shaquille O'Neal, Tim Duncan. Okay. All right. So I got I got three, and other people listening to the podcast, I guarantee you, were like, fucking Barkley, Duncan, Rodman, but nobody else said Kevin Love. There's no way. All well, and- yeah, no, that's why I kind of like, it's like, there's some that are real low-hanging fruit, or or one would think... It would take them fewer than five guesses. I'm just kidding. Um, and then there are some like Hassan Whiteside that are just total bullshit. And then like, I just, it, that are just like a total, like they're the exception that proves that all stats are imperfect. God, 
somebody's going to send it in the group text like, well, I knew it was Kevin Love and to you, person, suck my ass. The only good person that I could think of would be Luke because I don't know who else has watched that much regular season Cavs basketball. No, but it, he didn't do it with the Cavs. Like, yeah, he, he had oh, rebounds true. for the Cavs, but he... No, but you're right. We don't have any diehard Timberwolves fans here because those don't exist. Yeah. Yes, they don't have them in Minnesota either. Oh. All right. All right. Well, All right. my heart hurts. Let's talk about some matchups. <laughs> We're pushing through. All right. Let's go to the Week 14 matchups. Um, before we dive into them, I will call out, we obviously just finished our round robin, so... Um, when I say that, it means everyone's played each other the same one time. Now we get into unbalanced scheduling. And if that ends up not working out for you, then we'll have to, and I mean you by anyone listening to the podcast, then um, let's chat this off season and see if we can't think of a way to rectify that. But for this season, tough shit. So, um, but it is a good, this is a, I, I think, a good like okay let's pause and sort of assess if you're playing mario party this is like the turn however many turns from the end where they make a prediction at who will win it's like 10 turns left it's like yes. we think it's gonna be this person we're gonna give this person two stars right that's how i feel that's the juncture i feel we're at in our fantasy regular season okay yeah i can see that <laughs> all right first matchup um no you know what let's just fuck it i was gonna save it for last but let's just get it out of the way doink the clown 45 96 and two kevin wears knee 43 98 and two if there was ever somebody that could make kevin wears knee fall into a dramatic matchup it's doink the clown do you think that just make a pick i don't i don't think it matters either way oh god um I mean, like, Huck's going to win because Huck doesn't want to be last. I know that. He doesn't want to be last. Matt Stafford, who is a bad man, he's a bad, bad man. Um, but, like, God, if Huck loses to Kevin Ware's knee, no. It would just be so delicious. It's just not possible. Huck pays attention. He I don't cares. think it is either. Fantasy baseball season starts this week, so Huck's going to be living in the app, just itching for stuff to do. Um Yes. I don't, I don't think he made any moves today, but he's going to use all of his moves. He's going to play guys that are, have a bunch of minutes. Um, he could have made some moves today, but I'm not going to jump on him for that because, you know, uh, Huck's going to win, it, it's, but it's going to be gross no matter what. Uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to think the same. Like, he's going to win, but, um, but honestly, if, if there was ever a time where um, Kevin Ware's knee – could almost look decent in a box score sense. It's Huck. No, still no. I, it's <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry. Kevin Wersney's team is not. Like, no, it, it really has. Like, now I'm like, let's step away. I'm just picking fun at Huck. Like, let's step away from it. You're right. Like, there's, there's no actual way that, that anyone could lose to Kevin. He's, it's to the point where he's last by such a wide margin in every Roto stat. Except for blocks, but also I think that is uh, – I think Huck just basically also punted blocks for many weeks. But, I mean, the, he's, he's so dramatically last in so many categories. It's to the point where y- you almost would just have to proactively play 
not play players to lose to Kevin Wiersbe. Something I don't think we've discussed on the podcast, correct me if I'm wrong, but like when we're replacing the two teams next year, I know we've discussed offline um, the that instead oh, of yes. just having the keepers, uh, they will be, it's both teams put keepers kind of into a draft and like between those two teams, they get to pick, okay, I want this guy, I want this guy, just so that nobody is, nobody's inheriting because like, uh, the, let's just yeah i don't know how to flip my balls on one side you you get to take over the brooklyn nets and on the other side you have to take over the washington wizards right right if you're taking over Hurwitz's team you're taking over an elite team if you're taking over luca my balls you're taking over i don't know d'angelo russell maybe donovan mitchell in the second yeah you're taking over you're basically taking on trey young yeah yeah and you're gonna have the number one overall pick so i and I also think, given that they're going to be able to just pick and choose keepers that they didn't earn, I think they moved to the end of the draft. I, I don't think anybody... Yeah, I, I have thought about that as well because, yeah, I don't want to... I'm not, I, I'm not trying to gift Huck the number one overall pick here, but I do think if they're able to inherit good keepers that they didn't do any work for, they need to work for the rest of them. Right. So to clarify, just because it's good food for thought... It, you know, if you listen to the pod, I definitely want your opinion. Um, but the the theory being we're going to have two vacant teams after the season and they could not be, be more disparate in terms of the infrastructure they're leaving behind. Um, so instead of like flipping a coin, I don't know how I could recruit somebody to take on Kevin Ware's knees roster. So instead, we would basically take all of the keeper eligible players from Kevin Wears Knee and Luca My Balls, pool them, let these two new owners do their own like expansion draft just between the two of them, where players would keep their same keeper round value, but these guys could kind of balance out the keepers between the two teams. And then to Max's point, since we are um, giving them that benefit, which um, you know, new other new members have not been afforded. You know, Luke was not afforded that. Brennan took over a team in season. Um, we would move them to the end of the draft. They would not then also get to chill at the top of the draft when we know Dame and, and Kawhi, just some of these keeper conflicts are going to be in the draft pool by rule. And, and a, a demand that I'm going to make, and this is the last thing I'll say about it before we move on to the next matchup. A demand that I'm going to make is that we all get to watch them draft. And I don't care if it's live on Twitch or recorded and uploaded to YouTube. Like, I'm interested. This is how we are oh, going no, to get I, I, to these I, people. That and also, like, um, like, yeah, we all had to draft in a very public forum. Like, you should have to, like, these are draft picks. We're letting you, somebody's going to get to keep Luca in the first round. Um, but, like, we have to see, like, what kind of decisions you make to build an infrastructure around him. No, you've been gifted the best asset in fantasy basketball. Now I'm more interested in these other keepers you choose. Yeah, let me watch. Also, yeah. don't put me on the welcoming committee because I'm realizing all this makes me sound like just, I'm like, first of all, we got to make a fucking work for it. Okay, we can't give him <laughs> an easy road and I want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think, honestly, though, um, 
it, the alternative was again, yeah, trying to recruit somebody to take on Kevin Ware's knee, which just seemed like an impossible task. But I, I in terms of friendliness, I do think that uh, if we were all all um, pillows in love, we wouldn't be a league worth joining. God damn it! No, we're mean people. <laughs> okay, let's get into the matchups um, for teams that have self-respect. Okay. Um, the first one. Um, let's look at Thunder from Down Under, 85, 55, and 3, taking on Monstar Jams, 81, 59, and 3. Monstar Jams we talked about at the top of the episode being a fast riser in terms of transactions, probably being the most um, evolutionary team in terms of ramping up for the playoff gear. Max, what do you think of this matchup? Ooh, Paul's going to love this because I'm picking Kyle. Um, Kyle's team's hot, man. It like does. it's funny i just got my ass beat by paul and you know what i didn't it was really close and we were texting all week and we were flipping back and forth and ultimately my team shot like three of 900 from three on sunday to just completely tank it for me um yeah gordon hayward gordon hayward i think shot over 10 from three it's awful uh <laughs> paul's team's good man and and they're on right now um they like they're healthy I, i'm betting he's wishing that he started diallo who is just like i said he would man he's putting up numbers for detroit um instead he started evan fournier who went over 10 for boston today uh jesus hits. did he really yeah over 10 oh, man, man. 0 for five from three with a turnover not good meanwhile hamadou diallo um, 19 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, a steal, and two blocks. That's Man. good. Um, and that's sitting on his bench. So that kind of sucks. Uh, but like Kyle's team's just good, man. They're they're really, really good now. He's made a lot of really good moves. Um, you know, the fact that he's got Norman Powell, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Karis Levert. Uh, trading you for Paul George, uh, trading Andrew for Kyle Lowry, especially because Andrew was really frustrated. As soon as I traded Kyle Lowry away, he did not play well at all. Um, <laughs> so, it, like, I, I just – his team's stacked. His team is downright stacked. And if you look at tonight, my God, Russell Westbrook, 35 points, 14 rebounds, yeah. 21 assists. Yeah. Good God. <laughs> um, so that's a heck of a lead to start with. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm not, it's nothing against Paul's team. It's just, I, we have to start talking about Kyle's team in a different tier. Now that he's made all these moves, he's made all these trades. Like it's, it's really, really stacked um, top to bottom. He's going to be throwing some really good guys back in the draft pool too. Yeah. Yeah. But so, or, you know, so is every good team. So is Paul, obviously. So is, yeah. is chasing Like that's the table stakes. I agree with you. Like, I think of how teams enter the playoffs. Like um, Kyle right now is is a four seed masquerading as a two seed. Like regardless of where he finishes in the standings, like he's playing like one of the best teams in the league. Obviously, um, we're going to talk about like Chase's team and Brennan's teams and and they didn't stop being good. So I don't know but we're now talking about Kyle with those teams who we've consistently praised all year and who've backed up that praise all year. Yeah, but they're so. old news. Okay. We've been talking about them. They're old news. We're bored with them. 
Kyle's the new hot thing. Okay, Kyle <laughs> is going to dominate Paul. Again, Paul, you're welcome. I've owed you for a while. All right. It's all Kyle this week. <laughs> What's funny, though, is I think if, if we've been trying to pod curse Kyle, like, tried so hard, and he's just persevered through all of it for weeks at a time. This entire episode, I'm sure he's listening at home right now. Just he's been screaming at this the entire time. Like, I know you're doing this on purpose. You were you reverse jinxing motherfuckers. Like, I hate you. Here's the thing: all my energy has been focused on praising Paul's team out of friendship. Um, no, no, <laughs> anything. And Kyle, I want you to know I'm doing mine out of friendship too. Okay, your team's gonna be so great this week. <laughs> Watch it happen. From do, here do, on out. <laughs> no, I really do think though that like um that that Kyle is, regardless of what the standings say, if he had had this kind of production all year, we'd be talking about him just like we've talked about Chase all year. So that's the biggest compliment I can give. Um I picked Kyle this week and that has nothing to do with how dangerous I think Paul will stay, but um I think we're seeing the best punches that Paul's team can throw i bet he hopes not but we're seeing some of the best punches that his team can throw in terms of uh you know like a one week's output um having guys that are not getting so egregiously load managed um although i guess he has Kawhi, but um i i i wonder if we're if this is exactly what Paul's team is, which is a really, really good team, but also like somebody's got to go and he's the team that goes. Yeah. So I just forgot that this week I am the one that's I'm seeing this. So that's the end of that. (laughs) (laughs) Huck is not listening at this point. He's turned it off already. If Huck is still listening, it proves our point. Like we could only be more victorious. (laughs) I think we've got like three people. We're hanging on by a thread. (laughs) Huck turned it off like halfway through the rebound discussion. Like (laughs) we've gained more listeners through the audio, like which is impossible. We just in an (laughs) FM radio type of we've gained viewership. Yeah. Um, okay, matchup number three, matchup number two of the self-respecting teams. Yes. White men can't jump, 74, 64, and five, versus uniballers, 65, 73, and five. I think this is two teams, speaking of teams that have a certain record but are masquerading as something else, I think these are two teams that are opposite sides of the same coin to that end. I think Luke is much better than his record shows. And I think Neil, I don't know. It was sobering when I came as close as I did to beating Neil two weeks ago. He's got beard, but if it's going to take beard doing the insane things to just keep up with a middling team, and that's complimenting myself, let me have that, then I don't even know. um, You know, it's just, it's tough to put that kind of a team up against a, a true contender and I do think, I don't know if Uniballers will make the playoffs, but if he was able to exist in this iteration all season, I think he would be a true contender. So I'm picking Uniballers um, in this matchup of, of teams that I think are trending in opposite directions. Max, what do you think? I want to pick Uniballers because it'd be more interesting. Um, it'd be more interesting to, to sit there and see who's it going to be, him or Victor? Is, is somebody above Victor going to get knocked out? God, I hope it's not me. Um, but like... <laughs> 
I'm sorry. It, it, it sucks that uh, I don't know if Jarrett Allen is going to play more games this week. Um, he has kind of been just kind of a middling big man lately. Yeah. Uh, which kind of sucks both for Luke as a Cavs fan and for Luke as a fantasy owner. Um, but having Anthony Davis out right now, is killer it's great that he's got mccollum back he's got mccollum and booker and michael porter jr i guess yeah i'm i'm i i mean michael porter is a is a great player and i'm just also like i'm thinking some of his offensive numbers will be able to go up even further by getting to play in more athletic lineups that also can defend a little bit I've so I've hated on Neil's team a lot this season, just abstractly, not even on purpose. I like Neil. Neil's a great guy. He's giving me more reasons to hate his team. He's got fucking Dorian Finney Smith, who, as you know, is not good at basketball. Okay. He has a guy uh on his roster taking up a spot who's point guard eligible, who's D Wade. And I go to click on it because I'm like, D Wade. <laughs> And it's fucking Dean Wade, the whitest looking <laughs> yep. guy I've yep, ever from seen. from Kansas State. I did the same exact thing life. is why I was laughing. It's this white guy named Dean. You know, you know how much of a letdown it is to click Dean Wade with, out of curiosity <laughs> and see fucking Dean Wade for the Cleveland Cavaliers? Again, sorry, Luke. Um, no, but it's it could not be a better cross-section of whiteness than Dean Wade with his pasty-looking face playing in Ohio, having played in Manhattan, Kansas. Like, yeah, it is just a perfect cross-section for unexceptional whiteness. Dean Wade brings mayonnaise to basketball practice. Yes, he is the Hellman sandwich of of misinterpreted basketball names. Dean Wade has seen every episode of the Golden Girls unironically. Okay. Well, so have I. And you are the second oh, whitest true. person involved that's in this I guess conversation. That substantiates okay, like there yeah. it is. What Anyways. a sobering realization about myself. <laughs> Ethan's like, I'm white? No, no. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. Neil's team's great, man. Kemba Walker took a turn weeks, weeks, like we talked about this weeks ago. Okay. And he still has Harden who has proven me wrong. I thought he was going to be worse on Brooklyn. He's just, he's still awesome on Brooklyn. Brogdon is incredible. Ben Simmons puts up great numbers. Shake Milton again is, is one of those guys that maybe he, uh, I, I don't know. I think he's better if he's more incorporated in the lineup. Um, going into the playoffs, I'm super interested to see what Wendell Carter Jr. does for Orlando, because they just lost Vucevic, yep. who we've talked about for years, or for years, for, for the years we've been doing this podcast, for at least 10 yeah. weeks now, about how Vucevic just puts up crazy numbers and gets all these boards because Orlando has nothing else. Now Orlando truly could not have less. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's going to be maybe Cole Anthony comes back healthy someday, and Wendell Carter Jr., and Terrence Ross, question mark? Is he on? No, he's on the Raptors now. So I don't know. I, I couldn't name another person on the Magic. Um, and Neil's got Wendell Carter Jr. right now. So I, that might not mat matter as much for this matchup. But Neil just has more guys that matter. Like, he just, it's, it's not, I, I don't give Luke much of a shot this week. I think the best thing he can do is keep it close and try and win next week. I'm picking Neil, obviously. All right. Moving on then to a matchup of um, 
NPD and HWD adversaries, Rum Ham, Slam, 75, 66, and 2, against Super Gallinario Bros, 74, 67, and 2. So they are truly one game apart in the standings. Max alluded to that earlier. Um, this is another matchup where, um, you know, teams have certainly been trending in different directions. Um, I'm going to pick um, Trevor this week, but I have to admit I was really close to picking Victor. Even You know, he's up 8-1 in this Monday sample size as we record this, but more so just I, I still like – where a lot of Trevor's players landed in their new landing spots and their longer term fantasy value for our fantasy playoffs. But for this week in a vacuum, he's got, he's got more dudes in new situations than any other team in the league. So when you're splitting hairs against another team with a winning record, who's going to be competing for a playoff spot, that's very tough to, um, you know, compete against. Um, and then, you know, a, we think in the same way, it's also the moves that weren't made. Like there was so much talk about all these moves Atlanta would make. Um, yeah. They swapped Rondo for Lou Williams, but like they really didn't make any major splash moves. So Victor, who's been really relying on Danilo Gallinari, like that's a huge victory for him at the trade deadline. Um, just as much as anything that happened with Trevor's players. So um, I picked Trevor in a close matchup this week. If it was two weeks from now, I'd probably pick Trevor to win by a little wider margin. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you on picking Trevor by a wide margin a couple of weeks from now. This week, I'm going to give it to Victor. I've got to do it, man. So it helps that he's up 10-1. That makes my decision a lot easier. I think I would hem and haw over it a little bit more. But Victor's guys are kind of on. Aside from Chris Boucher, who looks terrible. Lately, they've cut his minutes, and he's just not doing well. Yeah, that's been um, that's been his biggest red flag in in Gallinario Bros country. But the fact that Vooch is now in a new situation, he's not going to put up. I mean, he's going to put up numbers, but he's not going to put up the same gaudy numbers. At least his first week on the Bulls, I don't expect him to. Trevor still got guys. He still has De'Aaron Fox. He still has Draymond, not the greatest defender of all time, Green, um, and Carl Anthony Towns tonight. 31 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, three blocks. Like he's still going to put up great numbers, but let's not discount Victor. John Collins is a capable big man. Gallinari is, and I almost said Gallinari. Oh fuck. Um, Gallinari is, is still a big deal, but neither of these guys have used either of their moves yet, but you know, you look at Ty Jerome, who's going to get more minutes with all the injuries slash fake injuries OKC is running right now. Buddy Heald, Tim Hardaway, Kelly Oubre. I'm just naming his roster at this point. Like, his Victor's yeah. guys are getting production out of unexpected places. And I've, I haven't named Chris Paul, who's not playing today. I haven't named, you know, I did name John Collins. But his good guys haven't played yet today, and he's up 10-1. to 1. You know, like, I, right. I, he's catching Trevor at the best possible time. Because, like you mentioned, guys in new positions. Um, so... Give me Victor by a hair, and um, it, it's just part of that also stems from I just uh, Victor's destined for the playoffs. I'm picking it. No, I mean it, he's substantiating that in every sense over the last few weeks. Um, before we punctuate this matchup, um, Vucevic in his first quarter as a Chicago Bull. Right, this is his first game with the Bulls tonight, isn't it? 
I think so. I think it is. But he is already four or five from the field, nine points, two rebounds, three assists. Like I mentioned, Vucevic is an incredible player. He's not going to experience any (laughs) growing pains. Um, I was going to say, he doesn't look like he's missed a beat at all. Forget everything you know about Vucevic. But but they're also playing Golden State, so uh, maybe they're playing with – they're not playing the toughest of opposing – interior defensive players either that was a, a callback to draymond oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no their defense sucks draymond okay. sucks. <laughs> anyway um moving on this is another um this matchup is um of two dudes that i think um would luca his balls and love all on Derek as two dfw fans luca, they're both balls. gay and they're both gay, yeah. Luke of my balls, <laughs> 53, 88, and two against I Love Dierk, 65, 76, and two. Though I'm thinking that I put those records in backwards. Probably. Because, uh, I don't think Andrew was that close to 500. Sorry, fam. No, I think not even close. I, I'll pick Andrew this week because um, I'm always going to pick the person that's paying attention. Yeah, uh, I would pick Andrew, but um, I don't think he's going to win. So <laughs> it is interesting that both of these teams have NA players on them right now because LaMarcus Aldridge, at least we know he's got a team. I guess we, Jeff Teague is now signing That's just with, waiting it out. Yeah, Jeff yeah, Teague's going to Milwaukee. He's going to Milwaukee. Uh, you know, Patrick Beverly hasn't played a game since March 11th, and he's still in Matt's starting lineup. It's just no. Uh, but yeah, I I think Matt is gonna win. Andrews should be sad. This whole matchup makes me sad. <laughs> um, I I'd like. To hey, see- but Rangers opening day is Thursday. We got Kyle Gibson on the mound. That's right, Kyle Gibson, and then try and name other Rangers. Yeah, starting name pitchers. anyone else that plays for the team. This is like the um major league but only the opening 10 minutes of the film and nothing after <laughs> i'll tell you what uh they Who are cut, these fucking days so they cut rugnet odor today and that's enough to keep andrew happy for he, he won't give a shit if he would have if if you would have said listen the raiders will lose rugnet odor if you just get your ass kicked by luca my balls who's not paying attention Andrew would be like, done, deal, sold, no yeah, problem. Yeah, uh, I think Andrew was emotionally okay to lose any match of the rest of the season for way less stakes than that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is interesting because that, and you know, to that exact point though, this is why we wanted to do like a um, an expansion draft for two new owners because Luca, my boss, could still accidentally win matchups. Like God, if he was just actually trying but that's a that's such a tired narrative now so we'll just move past it um now we've got uh well basically your matchup and my matchup so we'll start with yours hong kong heroes 90 wins 50 and three um against you godzilla got busy 77 64 and two um i am picking brennan because he's been number one in roto for like three straight months but also because, um, I mean, yeah, if you take the the best player off of any team in this league, they're going to be very beatable. So, yeah, your team without LeBron James against anyone else that isn't 
a bottom team is I'm going to pick that other team just because like, yeah, you're playing with a hand tied behind your back. Dude, I don't have LeBron. I don't have SGA or Lou Dort. Oh yeah. And you have, uh, you have SGA, which is a big mystery. I don't, uh, Paul, right into the group text. I have no idea how they're going to use SGA because he, it's like, he's exactly all the tanking would be to draft guys that become SGA. But then in order to draft those guys, they have to not play SGA now. It's a real mind fuck. I'm curious what you think. It's it's plantar fasciitis. All of a sudden. Tankar fasciitis. Yeah. He, gets, he gets plantar fasciitis the moment that they don't want to win any more games. Lou Dort entered the league's concussion protocol, which is a real thing. But prior to that, he had some ticky-tack injury that made him miss one game and miss a couple games before that. Like. It just yeah. sucks, man. That's why I picked up uh, the dinosaur, uh, Maladon. Yeah. And, you know, he's getting regular minutes. But, yeah, my team is just – my team looks bad right now. I'm like, please, Blake Griffin, do something. You know, like I I really was counting on Rudy Gay today. Um, right. You know, I, I this Gary Trent trade very much mattered to my team. No, I don't stand a chance against Brennan, and it's bullshit. I have to play him again after getting shut out the first time. My team mentally doesn't need this, you know, like I, <laughs> this is going to be the first time all season I'm picking against myself. I'm absolutely going to pick Brennan. My team's going to get their clock cleaned and not in like a really cool, make your clock work better kind of way. Like in a really sad, like, like who the fuck uses clocks anymore kind of way, you know? Right. <laughs> so no, this sucks. I, I'm not looking forward to this week. I want my guys to get healthy. Um, trade deadline is is april 9th that's a that's a you know something i'm willing to talk about that's cool let's yeah trade deadline is is, uh coming up in our league the only other thing i was going to say about brennan's team because i don't want to just pick him because you don't have lebron and move on like i know he listens so that's all that um, matters that's all that matters yeah and uh, who's better opinion than yours and mine clearly (laughs) but um i think right now like you know brennan's a top team but I think the elephant in the room for everybody is in our fantasy playoffs, which are actually a very meaningless stretch run in the regular season for the Brooklyn Nets. Is Kyrie going to take sabbaticals? Is he going to get load managed? Is Kyrie going to go into some weird usage patterns in our fantasy playoffs that are going to undermine his production from our fantasy regular season? That is something that is starting to I'm starting to think about that more and more with Brennan's team because Kyrie is I mean this is why we you'll recall Kyrie was the most talented player by far in this past year's draft you know our first draft after having some chance at at keeping guys with each team and Kyrie still fell and Brennan took him was like fuck it I'm not gonna let him fall past whatever it was four or five past my first round pick um but the reason he didn't go first overall is exactly this. So it's that's something I don't think any of us know. I I've I bet Steve Nash wishes he knew. It, it's yeah, he's he's a weird nut job. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I, I can't imagine him missing all that many games in the stretch run. Like they don't want to lose the momentum. So I Yes, but also uh I don't think they really – I don't think momentum matters so much in this Eastern Conference because the first round is a ramp-up already. 
they're playing somebody who almost certainly will have like a losing record in the first round. So yeah, they're basically they get a postseason preseason. Dude, Moses Brown, man, great basketball name. Yes, probably one of the best pickups for the for the playoff stretch run. Like, absolutely yes. incredible, putting up incredible numbers. Um, so. It, yeah, Brennan's Brennan's team's in line to make an excellent run. Don't get me wrong. They don't have a whole lot of problems right now. Goran Dragic is in an IL spot, and uh, he played tonight. So <laughs> you don't have any problems. No, Brennan's team, that's why I'm like, I, I'm just thinking, like, he's just been chilling in first for so long. I'm trying to think of new narratives. Um, but I guess it's not really a new narrative to say Kyrie's unpredictable. I think that's the most – overdone narrative probably at this point um Kobe white is out tonight because of left cervical pain i like i'm not a doctor you know <laughs> but like cervix that's at the it's in the coccyx region, yeah but isn't right? isn't um i don't know i was gonna i'm not i'm not willing to google it i was gonna google it but i'm not willing to google it i'm just sticking to yes. this is what i know about <laughs> He has left cervical pain, and to me, that makes him sound like if you said this person went to the hospital with left cervical pain, I'd be like, that poor pregnant woman. You know what I mean? So I don't know where the cervix is exactly, but I imagine it's near the coccyx, and he's getting pain on the left side of it. So hopefully that oh. doesn't go. <laughs> we know about as much about the human body as we do about this fantasy basketball league, which is next to nothing. Yeah. If you give me almost two, true zero, give me two maps on one of them. It's just a <laughs> bunch of empty lines that go name good historic NBA rebounders or any NBA players of statistical significance. And on the other side, it's a point, you know, arrows point to a human body. What, what are things named? And I'm like, there's the femur, there's the head, this dick out. That's it. I'm out. I'm out. Okay. I don't, I didn't go to health class. <laughs> Cervical pain sounds unpleasant. It's not as bad as testicular torsion, which is uh, what we had to talk about with Mitch Hanniger in the, oh, in the baseball yeah. podcast. So Ugh. I know. Yeah. Brutal. Um, okay. And to bring it home, it's not really a, a prediction. It's just a chance for people to make fun of my team on their way out. Um, Chase's neat team, 92, 50, and one versus me, 64, 77, and two. Chase is going to win by any number of obvious metrics and reasons. Um, so I'll let you list them out. Uh, okay. So first of all, like, I, yeah, you're going to lose by a lot. I've been trying to think of uh, more things. So Chase's team is great. Um, they look great going into the playoffs. He has kept freaking momentum all season long his team just scores at an incredible rate and he really doesn't do that much you know what i mean like he yep. left mike conley in an il slot today like he's not paying that much attention his team is very good he did a really good job in the first year's draft and he did a great job this season um getting supplemental talent and his team's terrifying so i'm very happy for him and i would talk about your team but i'd rather talk about more things that Dean Wade uh, would like. <laughs> so, like, Dean Wade is really into, like, craft beers. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like weirdly into IPAs and stuff. Reruns of Everybody Loves Raymond. Hey, there's nothing wrong with Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay, Everybody Loves Raymond. So that's not even <laughs> just exclusively a white person thing. Um, now, if you say uh, King of Queens, <laughs> okay, we claim that. You know what's funny, actually, is I'm staring at a Hall & Oates album right now as I drop a listens to a lot of Hall & Oates on vinyl. I was about to say, Dean Wade has that album as well. Dean Wade, uh, the number one channel on his, like, uh, on his radio is NPR, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt, Dean Wade listens to NPR all the time. He's... You know, he's that guy that comes to practice and goes, guys, do you hear the, about this thing? Uh, they're talking about it on All Things Considered. <laughs> I like that now he's just a, he's not just white, but he's also completely emasculated in any sense. He that's, barely not, speaks. that's not emasculine. He's just the he's, No, you had him coming. Hey, did you guys hear what was said on NPR? It, I didn't. He's not like mumbling. It, do you want <laughs> him to be more confident? Guys. You gotta hear about this thing. The bees, they're all dying. The bees, they're all dying. The bees, you know? Like, uh, uh, whatever. That's, I thought Dean Wade jokes were funnier than making fun of your team. That's a dead horse. Like, No, I, it, that's a dead horse. I agree. Um, so, Chase, you'll win. You got, uh, you got bigger fish to fry later in the season than myself. Um, before we get out of here, we kind of teased it. Um, Big, big matchup this week between Godzilla and King Kong. Um, I think you guys know who Max is going to take. Um, I'll preface that I am taking King Kong. Um, I don't, I know literally nothing about this. So I'm just going on my own made up science. The, the suspended reality that I live in that I don't even know if I'm letting Max into or not. But I Okay, before in. you get started... Don't even say opposable thumbs. Don't even say no, it. Was, I will that's, lose. That's like that. That's my new. The NBA is a positionless league of takes. <laughs> like the number one asset for King Kong is that he has opposable thumbs. People say um, Godzilla has lasers coming out of his eyes. Okay, well King Kong can hold a laser in one hand, and he can also hold some sort of like laser defending shield or Captain America shield type shit in the other hand. Like he can wield weapons. Godzilla is at the mercy of what he, of, of the nuclear energy that exists within him. Whereas Kong can, can use his cunning and, and make the most of the situation. Like he, he, um, he can adapt you know, he can make in-game adjustments. Godzilla plays a bitch-ass 2-3 zone. Okay, how much manual dexterity do you think Kong has? You know what I mean? Like, I don't did know. You, did, you watch, did you watch Kong Skull Island? Like, Kong is not no. running around. He's, <laughs> he's not a big man that moves like Akima Lajwan. He's more a big man that moves like Zadrunas Ilgauskas. You know what I mean? Like, he's really kind of fumbling around. Like, don't get me wrong. At some point, I expect him to pick up. It's his patented move. He's going to take an airplane out of the sky and throw it or, you know, something like that. In the trailer, he's got an axe. And I'm like, yeah, level the playing field. I get it. You know, I've seen uh, – I-, I watched uh, Endgame. That's not it. leveling the playing field. That's a major advantage. He can wield an axe. No, Godzilla no, no, no. doesn't – He needs an axe to level the playing field. Did, it, did Have you seen Godzilla King of the Monsters? No, I haven't Good seen any God. of these movies. You've got to see them this week. So I, other people didn't like King of the Monsters. I did. Like, 
Godzilla was legitimately like radiating nuclear. I don't know the science behind it, but he's he's a, the guy was basically a nuclear bomb. Like he turned into a nuclear bomb. And while all this is happening, he's just fucking lighting up, shooting fire, not out of his eyes, but out of his mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's got a big old tail that he can whop. You know what I mean? And also his yell, his trademark is versus Kong just yelling. It's just not scary at all. I'm like, yeah, yeah, big monkey, big monkey. You know, Kong was is so weak, humans could catch him. Okay, like in the trailer, <laughs> Kong is being like ferried around on a boat, just lazily running his finger in the ocean. He let the humans do that. Humans he caught him. Happen. Humans caught him. He's like they like tricked him into thinking he was in an indoor jungle, and he's like, "Oh, what's going on?" On uh, one of those uh, uh, Ed TV or no, sorry, the the Truman Show. One of those Truman Show oh, moments yeah. happens where he goes, "Oh my God, I'm not in a real bubble." You know, try. <laughs> Show me a movie where humans try and capture Godzilla. Because let me tell you, humans are not going to have a good time in that movie. Okay? They just won't. They were the, I swear, they had a whole movie of just humans trying to follow around Godzilla to see all the kick-ass shit he was doing. They couldn't even do that. He's moving around in <laughs> underground tunnels, like, <laughs> under the earth. That? That's, uh, that was King of the Monsters. He's literally oh. going, he's, like, swimming through tunnels, like, through the earth to fight all these fucking monsters because he wants to be the king of them. That's that's the plot. That's the whole plot. It's awesome. Um, you know, that first movie, he comes up and he's like, oh, this is bad, evil monster. And he fucking destroys it. Just wrecks shop on him. Godzilla is... Oh, he's going to get busy this week. Okay? All the science backs it. Everything backs it. And we will movie, see. If this movie tries to force a Kong <laughs> win, like force that narrative, I'm going to say it's it's the worst version of cancel culture we've seen yet. i was already like so offline max and, and our friend nick and i have been so fucking hyped to see this movie and like this argument has been our number one argument for such a long time and this has been this specific thing that max was just saying is is um like a specific running bit that like, we've been going back to what's great is if you're if you google like godzilla gifs there's just so many gifts of Godzilla just being badass, like riding his tail, breathing fire on people, like really old school Godzilla movies where he's just fighting robots and shit. And there's so many movies where King Kong is like a creepy bitch. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, look, blonde lady. I'm going to take her to the top of the fucking tower. Maybe she'll love me now. You know what I mean? And then they had that one weird king kong movie and i can't i think it had the had the the non adam bro adrian brody was oh in it. yeah and jack black was in it and, and jack black was in it and it was weird and yeah that like, it was super weird this woman loves kong but like she understands i don't know it's always got to be like some emotional connection nobody has an emotional connection to godzilla he is above all that shit okay i don't need any emotion with kong it was in the the kong skull island what's her name captain marvel emotional connection to kong i will protect you stupid stupid <laughs> don't need it you know get, get, get out of here Ugh. um godzilla should win this by a landslide i hope that it ends up being a classic team up um and they they fight against some big yeah people. ultimately they i i think they'll end up teaming up the other thing I know for certain is if there was a winner, if Kong won, Max would just say that they got it wrong. And believe me, if Godzilla won, I would be quick to the 
inverse of that narrative. If, so if you think that that's the only reaction, like if you think I'm going to be that calm, like, oh, they got it wrong. You don't know me at all. Look out for Max in these Twitter streets. Yeah, listen, I, <laughs> there, there's not much that'll make me write my congressman, but <laughs> let me tell you, I've got pen and paper ready. <laughs> oh, Lord. Nobody's listening at this point. Anyway. Like, <laughs> right. say, who are we even talking to? A lot of people point. are like, I, don't, I didn't know people were actually going to watch that movie. <laughs> right. Like, this could only be reaffirming to you and me and the makers of Godzilla versus Kong. Whatever. Godzilla's going to get busy. It's going to be awesome. Uh, anyway, I think that's as good a place to end it as any or as bad a place to end it as any if this episode <laughs> has been any indication um thanks for listening along we will set the bar higher next week <laughs> oh, that's not promising much <laughs>